What's going on, Bulls fans? Welcome to another episode of Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for everything Chicago Bulls related. And on today's episode, we're going to break down DeMar DeRozan's response to Bleacher Report naming him as one of the most overrated players. We'll also be talking about the Jazz, who are apparently going to be shopping a lot of the veteran pieces. And should the Chicago Bulls maybe take an interest, not anything immediate, but should they take an interest in some of those players? Lastly, we'll go back into the mailbag where we have several voicemails that we'll get into. We're going to do all that and more right after this. You are now tuned in to Chicago Bulls Central, your number one spot for all things Chicago Bulls, hosted by Hayes. All right, so before we get into the Bulls topics and things like, I do want to mention this. So apparently Forkon Korkmaz was attacked over in Eurobasket by three Georgian players after he was ejected out of a game. Now, this is, you don't typically hear things like this. Usually these type of tournaments especially when you're over in europe they're they're they're, they're given a lot of respect right and, and the players hold themselves to that and you don't see a lot of it but this could be a situation that blows up and we could also see trickle downs from that and how fiba decides to handle this because a he was attacked on his way back into uh the locker room he was attacked right outside that locker room and now uh turkey which is the team that Furkan Korkmaz plays with is threatening to pull out of the uh out of the fiba tournament a Eurobasket tournament if there's not something done to this. Now, you never want to see a player attack. Now, he was ejected out of a game, but you you should never have to worry about that as being an athlete of being attacked and the fact that it was also Georgian players. So more more players in not Georgia, the, 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 the state here in the U.S., but you guys should know what I'm talking about. And so this is going to be something that definitely I'll be monitoring. And as we have a lot of players playing over in FIBA and, you know, luckily no Bulls players were involved in this, but no one should be involved in this at all. So I did want to spend some time talking about that. It's big news in the basketball world. So I did want to talk about that. But let's go ahead and get into the, the topics for today. So as I talked about last week, um, Bleacher Report did list DeMar DeRozan as one of the most overrated players of the last decade in the NBA. And DeMar responded to this in one of the best ways that I think he could have possibly responded to with. And this was just a simple tweet. Um, and it was it was the the short video of CJ from Grand Theft Auto just saying, oh, shit, here we go again. And, you know, that's that's all that's needed. DeMar doesn't need to give a whole lot of energy to it. DeMar doesn't need to come out and say a bunch of stuff because he's going to show it on the court. They just gave somebody who uses things like this as motivation, even more motivation. Now, as far as Bleacher Report them as a as a source um it just completely it continues to fall down a lot of their articles are clickbait at this point um they also aren't truthful they like take bits and pieces of snippets from interviews and tries to turn it into the most eye-catching headline and yeah while that's not outside of, of what happens in sports media in general it's been quite bad with Bleacher Report over the last year or so. And then especially over this offseason, for anyone who's a consistent reader of Bleacher Report's articles, you'll you'll know like if you dive deeper into it, none of their articles almost anymore are actually what the titles are. Like they really do try to take bits and pieces of things and just try to paint it in a different light uh, to be more salacious at times. And, you know, it is what it is there. Uh, now, DeMar DeRozan being named as one of the most overrated players, I I, I broke that down in the video. Um, so go go and check that video out because I I, already, I, I even talk, uh, pointed out with the stats that they did use to kind of support their argument. They they strategically left out another part of his on and off the off the court stats. Um, and that's just what Bleacher Report does. It it sucks. You know, it is what it is. But you know, that's why 
um, outlets um, that that don't have any agendas that aren't based off clicks that, you know, don't try to do the clickbaity things are important, especially when you're looking at specific team coverage. We have so many great people who cover uh, teams specifically that, you know, when it, when it comes to something like that, you kind of have to take it and then move on. But uh, as I said with that, we'll move on. We're going to move on as well. Now, the Utah Jazz, who have completed kind of the best on-the-fly rebuild in, re- in recent memory, they, they've done a really good job so far on it. We'll see what they look like on the court. They're not really trying to be too good, but they still get, did get some talented pieces back in some of the trades that they made so far, as well as future assets and draft picks, things like that. I already talked about that, so I'm not going to belabor that point. But they are now expected to shop some of their veterans around. That include Jordan Clark- Clarkson, which makes sense, Mike Conley, Bojan Bogmanovic, they're, they're expected to shop those players. And while I'm not saying that this is anything imminent, I'm not saying the Bulls should be on the, on the phone right now trying to get any of these deals done. Not saying that. But as we go towards the, uh, through the season, as we get closer to the trade deadline, if the Bulls are looking to do something, do they eventually take a look at some of these players if, if they're still available? And like I said, if they fit a need. Now, Bojan Bogmanovic is a player that I like, right? And I Bojan's a good player. Don't don't get me wrong. He's a player that can come in, that can do some things, that does does the tough things that you want to see from a team. I mean, from a player and things like that. He can literally come into the Chicago Bulls potentially and give us a lot. Now, the player that I I'm more so uh, looking towards as far as who I would want to target and specifically for the Bulls bench production. This is why I said this is not anything that I'm saying that the Bulls should go out and try to do right now. I'm not saying that at all. But in Bojan. You do have a player who is 33 years old, so he's clearly a vet. His salary is only $3.5 million, so that's an easily movable contract. He's 6'7". He's played power forward, small forward over the course of his career. He's not like a huge threat to, to stretch the ball, anything like that. But I do look at Bojan as a, as a player that coming off the bench for the Chicago Bulls, especially looking at the fact that we were looking at Delano Gallinari at one point in time, could Bojan come in? play that that backup four row, backup three row, and just give the Bulls some really tough minutes. I think, I, yes, absolutely with that. I don't think anybody would, would argue against that. But that's not necessarily the player, like I said, that I'm looking for that I think can really, that the Bulls should target if they do. Now, Bojan last season, 18 points per game. He started all 60, uh, 69 games that he played. He averaged about 30 minutes in those games. And yeah, solid starter, uh, 18 and four. The Bulls could do a lot worse than bringing in Bojan, especially for his contract, especially for the fact that theoretically the Bulls could move a, a couple of they can move like a like a Derrick Jones Jr. for Bojan and try to bring him in. If again, this is me only saying if they're looking to add something to the team over the course of the season and you see something's not just not working, Bojan would be a heck of a player to add for a playoff run to come off the bench. Could start some if you do have injuries, things like that. Bojan is a solid player in the NBA and one that I would not mind on this team at all. But the player that I'm looking for from the, for the Jazz, at least right now, again, like I said, this is not knowing how this team is going to shape up. This is not knowing who's going to take a leap. This is not knowing how the bench is going to come together. This is all theoretical and not something that I'm even saying the Bulls should look to pursue. But I'm saying if there is interest there, what could that turn into? I'm looking at Jordan Clarks, a uh, one six man of the year in 2021. Uh, has averaged averaged 16 points per game off the bench last season for the Jazz in 79 games played. He only started one of those games. In 27 minutes per game, uh, he averaged 16 points, um, 3.5 rebounds, 2.5 assists, about a little under a steal per game. And then 
you know, he he offers solid shooting. He's 41% from the field, 31% last season from three-point range. was actually a little bit down season for him. He's a career 33% shooter from three-point range. And I'm looking at what Jordan Clarkson could bring off the bench from a scoring perspective could all be great for the Chicago Bulls, a team that, that was 29th in the league in bench scoring last season. We know we need more production off that. Now, the question of the fact is of the matter is, though, is Jordan Clarkson's contract. That the contract is huge. He he's owed twenty over twenty seven million dollars over the next two seasons, and we don't know if the Bulls are really going to be looking for to bring in that amount of money back in. So you know that that would be the Bojan trade. I will say is a more likely deal, right? Because of the money, because you can you can bring him in for for you know sending out maybe a second round pick. Hopefully, you don't have to get into first round picks, which they may want from a player of Bojan who averaged 18 points per game as a starter. They may very well want some first round picks for that. But looking at the Jordan Clarkson piece of it, if the Jazz are truly trying to go into a rebuild, they want to reset, clean that and get their salary as clean as possible. He is owed $27 million over two years. They could be looking to move on from that. And while, yeah, they're not going to be competing, why play, pay heavy salaries for players? The Mike Conley piece of it, that doesn't really serve the Bulls at all, in my opinion. But Jordan Clarkson, could he be a potential piece for the Chicago Bulls? Again, maybe, right? We could see Kobe White come along this season, and it, it null and voids all that. Kobe White is a better three-point shooter. He's more of a, while Jordan Clarkson is a way more consistent scorer, Kobe is that more that more spark off the bench type scorer if he can be consistent. So I can see why there may not be interest there. But again, that's just, again, something that looking at, I don't think it happens. Let me be clear here. I'm not saying that this happened. I don't think that the Bulls pull off this trade at all. I do think if they do make a trade with the Jazz, Bojan is, is the more likely candidate, maybe giving up that Portland piece, maybe sending Derrick Jones Jr., who, you know, they can get uh, the Jazz can get out that deal um, pretty early on, maybe sending a, a uh, I wouldn't, I don't think it would take a Kobe White. I would hope not. But, you know, looking at the Jazz and what they're doing, taking a lot of shots at younger players, they're going to have time to develop and throw, um, uh, throw a lot of time at players. And we don't know what they're going to try to do with the money wise, but Kobe is coming up as a free agent. So maybe, you know, that maybe that takes the Jazz away from it. I'm not sure. But, you know, that's just a, something interesting. Let me know what you guys think down below. Would you be interested in either Bojan or uh, Jordan Clarkson? Let me know down below. And what would you be willing to give up for those players? And, again, some, some the Bulls may be looking to do something. Considering the, the Cavs made moves in the East, the East is improved. By the trade deadline, after they've gotten a, t a chance to hopefully look at this team fully healthy, they may be looking at what they can add to the team. So I thought that was an interesting uh uh, just conversation piece to have with that. But let's go ahead and get into the mailbag. This first voicemail is from Eight Lives. What's going on? Hey, this Eight Lives, man. I want to call in today to uh, speak on Patrick Williams, bro. <clears throat> Patrick Williams, man, I'm um, satisfied with where he at right now. Um, I do take in the fact about him getting hurt with his wrist last year. Um, for this to be his third year, the only thing that I'm looking for Patrick Williams this year is to give me Everything that he's been giving me as far as the defense and things like that, all I ask as far as the scoring, give me four points a quarter. I mean, that's that's all I, I want Donnie, uh, uh, the, the, the coach, to ask Patrick Williams for. Give me four points a quarter. That's mandatory. There's no way that he can't average 16 points a game. So I feel like he got all the skills to make that happen. You know, if we're not getting that type of aggression from him this year, you know, I don't have no bad things to say about him because, you know, I'm a team guy, but 
I believe that four points a quarter is easy for him. There's no way he shouldn't be averaging 16 points with the skills that he has. So I'm looking forward to seeing him matching up this year with some of the best players. I see we're not getting Zoe back, so hopefully we'll have him and Io, you know, with some some good defense, playing some good defense with, with the star lineup. So that's all I want to just call in to talk about Patrick Williams. Thank you. All right, so 8 Live says what a lot of Bulls fans are saying. And a lot of Bulls fans are thinking, and that is, you know, Patrick Williams being a more consistent scorer. And while 8 Lives did say four points a quarter, that sounds easy, right? But you have to get the plays run towards you for that now does he get that that number of play calling is the is the biggest question but i don't think it's out the realm of possibility like we got to keep in mind though right i think sometimes as fans of of teams that are players that we think we we all boil it down to numbers i don't i don't i don't look at it as scoring for what i want patrick williams to do like yes eventually but looking at what he is on this team right his role on this team I'm not, I've never been one to look for Patrick Williams to score a bunch. I honestly think of Patrick Williams, his averages last year, nine points per game, 4.1 rebounds, 0.9 assists. If he gives you 10, 11 points, gets more towards six or seven rebounds, and gets more towards four assists, that's a solid season for Patrick Williams with what I think his role is going to be on this team. Now, if this coaching staff and Billy Donovan does run more things for him, then that's a completely different story that you're looking at. Patrick Williams only averaged six shots per game last season. And in the season before that, it was 7.4. So it's actually come down in his second season. Now, that makes sense when you factor in the fact of, you know, he was starting off coming back from injury at the at the beginning of the season. And then he got injured and he was coming back from injury at the end of the season. And then they were they were bringing him along slowly off the bench, things like that. But that the, the, the coaching staff would also have to get Patrick Williams more opportunities than that, and Patrick Williams would not have to pass up on as many opportunities as we saw him pass up over the course of his Chicago Bulls career. Now, can he get towards that, that four points per quarter, that 16 points? It sounds easier when you boil it down like that, but 16 points per game for this on this team, considering the amount of shots that Kobe, I'm sorry, not Kobe, whoa, we're not talking about Kobe White, that the amount of shots that Zach Levine DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic get naturally, right, just by being what, who and what they are, then uh, when you when you factor in Lonzo Ball, too, like when, when he ever he is back healthy, Iota Sumo, whoever's the starting point guard at that point in time, it sounds good, and it sounds feasible, and it very well may be feasible. Let me, I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm not saying that that isn't a off-the-wall expectation to have for Patrick Williams, but the coaching staff has, the coaching staff has also got to see him in that light and run that amount of plays for him and opportunities for him. Do we see that is the biggest question that I see in this. We've already talked about it. I've belabored it. I've talked about it a lot. Patrick Williams' percentages in shooting the ball are great. He has great percentages. It's the it's the frequency in which kind of holds him back there. And, we, and that some Bulls fans are tired of seeing. They want to see him be a little bit more aggressive. And I understand that. Do we see that, though, is the question. In year three, does this team go from only giving him, having one of the, the the lowest usage rates of all starters in the NBA. That's not just on, on the Bulls. He has one of the lowest usage rates per starters in the NBA, 13.4. That's not a high usage rate. That's not near the league average. It's not any of that. So it's it's not just Patrick Williams. And I think sometimes we, can boil, we try to boil it down and just make it about Patrick Williams and his aggressiveness. That does play a part in it. But we also need to see the coaching staff run a little bit more for Patrick Williams for him to take advantage of those opportunities. So thank you for that voicemail, 8 Lives. Let's get into this one. This one is from Jim. Hey, hey, this is Jim and Bolingbroke again. I just had a quick hypothetical. Um, 
which team do you think would be better? The 2011 Bulls with Zach Levine as shooting guard, with everybody else the same, same roster, so instead of Ronnie Brewer, Zach Levine, or this Bulls team with MVP Rose at point guard, and then, like, with Zach, Jamar, Pat, Fooch. So I was just curious, like, Honestly, I would go 2011, but fuck, Jesus Christ, that second team would be fire as hell, too. So, yeah, maybe uh, you could talk about something like that similarly, like with different players, like if you put Luol Dang on this team or something. It's just a fun thing to think about. All right, Jim offers a great question. Would we rather see Zach Levine on the 2010-11 Chicago Bulls or Derrick Rose on this team? And what I'll say with this is that I'm looking at what the missing piece, right? Derrick Rose, that even prime Derrick Rose isn't necessarily what this team is missing, another heavy usage ball handler. But Zach Levine on that 2010-11 team, this version of Zach Levine would have been perfect for what that team needed. When you think about even in that playoff run, when when the Heat did switch LeBron onto Derrick Rose and it really changed the outlook of that series, having an additional scorer who can score at the rate frequency and effectiveness of Zach Levine that completely changes the dynamic you at that point you can't just put LeBron James on Derrick Rose to change that series Zach Levine would have been able I think to do enough and I think if you put Zach Levine all things being the same on that this version the prime version of of Zach Levine on that 2010-11 Chicago Bulls I think that team gets past the Miami Heat you got Rose playing at an MVP level you still have Luau Dane now that was before Jimmy Butler but you still have, looking at that team, you, you have so much on that team. Carlos Boozer had a solid season that season. You got Joe Kim Noah. Before Joe Kim Noah was really, he didn't quite turn into the Joe that got those MVP votes then. But you still got Joe Kim Noah who did a lot of things and you can run certain sets through him and with his passing and things like that. I think if you give Zach Levine, even with some of Zach Levine's ball handling, decision making issues, because at that point you have a Derrick Rose in there who's doing much, much better things. I'm looking at that team as if they even if they didn't get past the Miami Heat, they get further. They push that series a little bit further. And I like the idea of him being on that team more so than Derrick Rose being that version of Derrick Rose being on this team. Now, there is an argument as well to be made that if you add an MVP to this team, how that changes things. So, yeah, well, I mean, there's an argument to be made for either. But for my money, I'm betting on adding Zach Levine to that 2010-11 Chicago Bulls team. Let me know what you guys think on that one down below. All right, let's get into the last voicemail for today. This one is from Shay. What's up, Hayes? This is Shay. You know, I was kind of thinking, why don't we trade Kobe White if we are looking to trade Kobe White? The only logical two places I can see him being traded to is either the New York Knicks or Oklahoma City Thunder. The reason why I say those two teams is because you could either get two names. One, I'm not sure if you care about maybe a guy like Obi Toppins or Cam Reddish straight up and maybe some second round picks because the New York Knicks are not that smart. Now the other scenario is, which I think is a better choice for him, is Oklahoma City Thunder. Now people talk about him not just being a bench scorer. I feel like with Shea Gildish Alexander, he could recognize his true potentials, play off the ball like he is he is good at, you know, he could be the scorer that he is, and maybe they could form like a Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal or Dan Lumen type of combination or whatever com combination, and it could be possibly good and be the career boost that he needs. And as for us, 
we could probably get some assets because let's face it, Oklahoma City Thunder has a lot of assets that we could use, whether it be a bunch of second round picks or a lot of first round picks. I know that they have a lot coming next season. Now I know you don't. Now I know you're not interested in trades really, but I feel like those are the two destinations that he probably probably could benefit in going to. And I feel like those are the two destinations that could look to trade for him. Anyway, tell me what you think. Peace. All right, Shay. Here's the thing. You know. All this Kobe White speculation is just that it's speculation, right? And I'm glad that Shay even said that. And in, in, if they're looking now, you talk about Obi Toppin. Looking at Obi Toppin, what he is as a player, I don't know. I don't hate the move, right? You you bring in somebody who is at a possession a, a position that we don't have as much depth at. You bring in a six, another six nine, two hundred and twenty pound forward uh, who got nine points per game, three point seven rebounds, one point one assists, had a per of eighteen point four zero. On this team, he only played 17 minutes per game, even though he started 10 and played in 72 games for the New York Knicks last season. There is still a lot of potential in Obi Toppin. A, thir- a career 30% uh, three-point shooter. Last season, he, w- he was 53% overall from the field. If the Bulls, again, this is if, this is theoreticals, this is not saying something that I want. If the Bulls were to move Kobe White for Obi Toppin, could I convince myself that they made the correct deal? Yes. I would like to see them get a little bit more for him, but considering his market value and things like that, it may not be, but you're getting an older player at 24 versus 22 um, in Obi Toppin. You're getting a player who hasn't really done anything to wow a lot of people. Still, still only two years in, into his NBA season, even though he is 24 years old, he could have a lot of potential um, still left that's untapped. If you get him in the right situation and get him more minutes, you can see how he develops. I'm just, I'm not saying that it necessarily does much for me. I, I just, I, it doesn't do much for me, but looking at his measurables, a PER of 18.40, that's, that's a pretty solid PER, especially for a player that's only playing 17 minutes a game. That is solid. That is very solid, but I'm not necessarily, it, it, it doesn't move me as much. I do think he can come in. He can play a role for the Chicago Bulls. You get another long bouncy uh, power forward, things like that. But it really does. It doesn't wow me. Right. And maybe in the Kobe White move, we're not going to be wild if he is moved. I don't know if he is for sure, but that could be the that could be the thing there. Now, the, the, the OKC piece, I like a little bit more because of the asset part of it, especially if they end up moving on from Shea Gilders Alexander and bring in another uh, scoring guard like a Kobe White, who they can just say, hey, we're going to throw 30 minutes a game at you. Figure it out and we'll see what we got in you. I do like the number of assets that they have, but are they willing to give up those assets for Kobe White is the biggest question there. And I don't think that they would be. Could very well be wrong in that. But I don't think that they would be. I don't think that they would be. Kobe's trade value is such an interesting thing because it's like, you know, the Bulls tried to shop him. They didn't get here get any offers that they that were of their liking. Kobe White could very well, first full offseason, could come in and 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 really take a step up. And if he does that, do then the Bulls look at keeping him? Because a Kobe who already whose averages, right? We know that the inconsistencies are there, but his averages are pretty damn good for a bench player. If he can make that more consistent and up those averages, that's a player you may want to keep around, even though some Bulls fans aren't going to want to hear that. So that question remains. But Obi Toppin really doesn't get me, and I don't think OKC gives up their assets for Kobe White. I could be wrong in that. You guys let me know what you guys think about that one down below, but that is it for today's episode. 
Thank you for being the best part of Chicago Bulls Central. Make sure you're following the show at Bulls Central Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, BullsCentralPod at gmail.com. Lastly, if you want to leave a text and or voicemail, the number to do so, 773-270-2799. And like I like to end every episode on, go Bulls. Love you guys. Peace, y'all. This has been a presentation of The Break Break Media. Media.